Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Scylla would always say, here's our Graham, with a quick reminder. Well, hello, Cooey. Uh, yes, it's William Young here. Where do I get Cooey from? I'll tell you where I get Cooey from, by the way. It was a boyfriend I had, and he he was at an auction, and his friend got him to auction for a dress, and he got all excited and didn't know how to get the attention, so she said Cooey, and I just always remembered it. And all my friends called him Cooey. Anyway, I digress. It's the Wellbeing Lab. Today, I'm speaking to Vivian Isable. She's an ADHD babe. I mean, that's a title. She's a psychotherapist and she also sounds like a pop star. I think she does. Have you got the new song by ADHD Babe? Oh my God, it's amazing. Have you seen the video? Have you got the remix? <laughs> we got together to talk about her ADHD diagnosis. So let's get into it. Here's my chat with Vivian. She told me what ADHD Babes is and how it came about. It was after I got diagnosed, um, when I think I was like 22, 23, uh, and the person I was with at the time, they were like, really on it, they were on Google, kind of searching how to manage ADHD, ADHD support groups. So yeah, we were trying to just find a way of making sense of it. But all the groups that we went to weren't very diverse. I was always the youngest there. So it just didn't feel like I was in mind when the groups were being made. So it felt really hard to kind of feel welcome. So I didn't want to go. And they were kind of like, well, you know, you need to do something, you can't not do anything. So yeah. they, they kind of said, okay, well, if you don't want to go to the ones that are already there, why don't you make your own? And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. That's a, that's a good point. Um, so I went on Facebook and started kind of searching all the ADHD chats and just asking, are there any black women in London that also have ADHD and want to kind of connect? And then it kind of slowly grew from there. And could you talk a bit about the process of how you arrived at being diagnosed with ADHD? Mm. You know, what, what led you into thinking maybe I might have ADHD or did you know about it at all? No, so I didn't think I had ADHD right up to the last assessment meeting. Um, I originally um, asked for an assessment for autism because it was like the year after I'd finished uni and I'd done a bit of traveling and volunteering in Sri Lanka for a couple of months and I was just really struggling with a lot of the social elements to the kind of volunteering process and also kind of my routine being disturbed and things like that. Uh, and then when I got back, I was working for the National Autistic Society. And I just remember like in all the training and induction thinking, oh my gosh, like I do that and I feel that way. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe I have autism. So I kind of went to the GP and gave them a list. Like, you know, I struggle with social interactions and I have really strict routines and ways of doing things. And if that gets broken, then I find it really difficult. Um, sensory overload, lots of things that kind of overlapped. So they referred me on to the autism clinic but they did this assessment and said I don't have it but I scored really highly for the ADHD kind of screening tool so then they referred me on to the ADHD clinic and yeah history from there. And when you got the diagnosis how did you feel? I was definitely in denial for like a solid yeah I would say a solid three months of, of denial. I kind of looked at the, the report briefly 
and just yeah I just thought it was a load of faff like it was hard to to take in because my understanding of idea of what ADHD was felt so far removed from who I was so yeah it was very hard to merge the two identities together for a really long time. Could you give a definition of this might not be an easy thing to do but Mm. can you give a definition of what ADHD is is there a simple definition? I guess yes and no the medical definition would be well they say it's a deficit of attention so you know a neurological condition that can affect things like attention concentration some studies say that it's about the dopamine receptors and you know not having the same amount that a neurotypical person might have so it's harder to kind of start tasks or to feel motivated to start tasks I know it's split into three so you've got like inattentive type you've got the impulsive type and then you've got the combined where you've got a little bit of both so I guess yeah medically that's how they might describe it but I think on an individual level it's so much more complex because it kind of plays into so many different areas of your life in different ways and I meet so many people with ADHD and like even though there's so many similarities there's also so many differences Mm. so it's it's umbrellaed under the kind of inattentive hyperactive kind of subtypes and about that concentration that dopamine deficiency but there's yeah there's definitely so much more to it as well and how does ADHD for you present well definitely presents in a lot of ways it goes up and down like when things are going well I don't notice it as much um I think on kind of the worst possible days it's like struggling to even go toilet like I know I need to go but the gap between what I need to do and actually doing it just feels like a long hallway so it could be with that it could be with kind of starting a, to send an email or to open an email to open a letter like that motivation gap to yeah sometimes to even just get out of bed it can feel really hard to just start the day on a general level it's like you know forgetting stuff so like today I got off the wrong stop so my car is somewhere on another station um, and I had to get the bus so just kind of like miss not paying attention to things enough to to just get through the day seamlessly so I lose a lot of things I misplace a lot of things um I forget a lot of things so I end up late to a lot of things as well and then the stuff that I kind of learned later on is like the impact it can have on emotional regulation because I've always kind of had difficulties with emotions but I didn't realize that actually managing emotions is part of a lot of people's ADHD profile as well so it can be like when I feel happy I feel really happy so I'm having the best time like really live in the moment but then when things are difficult then it feels like the weight of the world type of thing but it yeah it kind of has its pros and cons I think in on good days it means I can be really creative I can think of lots of ideas really quickly and then I can just act on them without kind of thinking them through which in some areas that's not a good thing but in some it means that I've got some stuff done that if I thought about it for longer I might have talked myself out of it Mm. so yeah I would imagine because hearing those things hearing you say how it presents for you I would imagine for quite a few people that there's a risk of them being misdiagnosed Mm, yeah for sure I mean I've been misdiagnosed in other areas for you know Mm. mental health but I could see someone looking at various symptoms and going oh well that could be that that could be that that could Mm. be that is that a common thing do you come across that in your groups when people talk about Mm -hmm. their experiences yeah it's really common that people are either and there's lots of studies as well that kind of show there's an overlap of diagnosis like bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder with undiagnosed symptoms of ADHD and untreated ADHD and lots of people in the group have kind of argued that 
they've been given mental health diagnosis, like bipolar disorder, and then the ADHD is missed, or they've been given a diagnosis, rightfully, of anxiety and or depression or and depression. Uh, but then again, the ADHD is missed. And then because of the kind of crossovers, or actually because you're living with untreated ADHD, so you're struggling and it's difficult to get through the day, of course you're going to feel anxious and depressed because yeah. you're like, oh my God, I forgot this again. And yeah. oh no, I'm going to be late again. And what's wrong with me? Why am I so different? Yeah, there must be a, lo- a lot of shame that then can yeah. come with that. Exactly. And that erodes your self-esteem. Yeah. And then the anxiety and... Exactly. Yeah. So it's tough. How has it been in the groups? I mean, I think it's so wonderful to hear you have been so proactive. Mm. I think I heard you say that you you didn't really see yourself being mirrored or, or represented in those groups mm-hmm. because of age background it's amazing that you decided to do something about it how, how long have you been doing the groups for now so the Facebook group will be five years old this year when we started doing groups on zoom that was in the middle of lockdown so we did the two-year anniversary this October gone yeah so it's been really cool it was really nice we did it in person as well to kind of like celebrate a two-year mark yeah but it's been it's been really amazing actually I got really emotional at the two-year anniversary because sometimes it's been quite difficult because we do it every fortnight and obviously living the nature of of ADHD it's been hard to kind of create a team because everybody on the team also has ADHD but because we don't have any funding everyone's kind of just volunteering their time so it's Mm. it's got quite difficult to kind of keep that momentum for the last two years like while juggling all the other stuff and juggling like living with ADHD but the community themselves are like it's just such a beautiful experience every time we're there there's like a propeller each each yeah. time yeah and I would imagine a lot of acceptance mm-hmm. and no judgment which is so yeah. important yeah it's so like warming and everyone is so encouraging and you know even if it's someone's first time you know everyone kind of welcomes them as if they've known them forever and because there's so many similarities just hearing somebody else talk about their life it's like oh my god like it's like they're reading my diary it's just really validating and even for myself like even when I'm hosting sometimes I'm just sitting there like oh my god like how could we be living the same lives (laughs) so it is yeah it's been a really really validating experience is there a correlation between being female and getting a later diagnosis yeah, so there is, because uh, women are more likely to have the inattentive subtype of ADHD, which is kind of, you know, struggling to concentrate, or they might be seen as someone who's got their head in the clouds. Women are more likely to be diagnosed later or not diagnosed at all. Whereas because men are more likely to have the impulsive subtype, which is more almost extroverted in its presentation, uh, is picked up and it's seen visibly. And then the kind of concept of ADHD is often associated with that hyperactive prototype. So when people see it, it's like, okay, yeah, he's got ADHD. Whereas you see a woman that's kind of struggling to concentrate or, you know, people might say, oh, she's ditzy or, you know, she's a space cadet. And then that's just seen as her personality type because the concept of ADHD is only seen as this hyperactive side. So, yeah, often that's why women are diagnosed later in life. And what about as a woman of colour? Because I know reading, I mean, this is stuff of a few years now, but I know how women of colour can be treated, for example, with giving birth and things like mm. that have you had any experience as a woman of color in getting diagnosis mm. or have you heard of any yeah I think it adds on another layer of complexity like the intersection of being both woman and black it's kind of you're facing two different forms of exclusion 
from I guess the prototype norm of what it means to have ADHD so I know in 2014 they did the the screening statistics and they found that actually black girls were more likely to screen for ADHD than any other group but then there was kind of this mismatch of their screening the highest but then not being funneled on the diagnosis and the support afterwards uh, so I can't remember the name of the writer but they coined that as the racial medical gap where there's kind of needs being identified within you know black women or black young girls and then it's not being kind of shifted on into okay yeah this is what we're going to do to support them um mm. then you kind of add in the different terms to call it but like you you said you know black women who are going through childbirth you know less likely to be given painkillers or they're seen as stronger than you know their white counterparts and there's this concept of being strong black women and being able to just get through things and I think that plays a huge element into how you know I might go to my GP and say I'm feeling this way and I'm struggling with this and even though I'm saying it, it's not perceived as as much detriment as if I, if I said it and I was a different race. So people might be mm. saying, look, I need help and this is difficult and this is hard. And maybe professionals and the people around them are not seeing the intensity of the difficulty. And it's kind of like, no, you'll be fine. You know, you'll be OK. There's that element being missed. And I know people have told stories of kind of going to get the assessment and even actually being told that, yeah, you know, you, you fit the criteria but you're not struggling enough for us to say that this is a full-blown diagnosis or, you know, you didn't display it enough for us to say it's a full diagnosis. But then from their experience growing up, you know, the person we were speaking about, they were from a West African household and they weren't able to kind of act out or kind of express restlessness because that's not culturally appropriate. So they were forced to mask and kind of diminish and hold those things in and then try and let it out in spaces where it was accepted. So now that's almost being played to their detriment where it's like, well, you survived for this long, so it can't be that bad. But it is, you know, people struggling and masking doesn't mean that what they're struggling and masking with isn't isn't hard. So I think, you know, yeah, all of those play play a part in it. And is it sort of encouraged that people with ADHD, like, do they go on to medication? Obviously, groups, very important, talking therapies. What are the kind of things that maybe someone who might be listening has just got a diagnosis? Mm-hmm what kind of things are presented to aid and support people with ADHD? Yeah, so there's quite a few things and not all things work for all people. So I would always recommend that people figure out their personal profile and what works for them. Because for some people, medication is a lifesaver. For other people, it just doesn't sit right with their bodies and the side effects are too much. So yeah, it's always kind of a journey of figuring out self. But yeah, medication is one. Uh, It helps some people kind of maintain concentration it reduces the distractibility all the kind of like stopping and starting tasks just throughout the day Uh, and also for some people it helps reduce their racing thoughts as well and it helps them to relax a bit more so yeah for some people medication is super helpful talker therapy can be really good as well there's cbt for adhd and then there's also just general talking therapy to talk through kind of living with undiagnosed adhd for so long because that's definitely one of the things i've found that kind of living and internalizing the difficulties and the the symptoms of ADHD then it's like you know I'm a forgetful person or like I'm disorganized or I'm not reliable it's like very internalized when actually it's I didn't have the tools and the accommodation to help me be organized so yeah I think having a therapeutic space to talk through the difference yeah because that's quite a characterization suddenly that's been Mm. thrown onto onto you Mm -hmm. yeah whereas you wouldn't maybe think that if someone 
this is a very simple example but if mm. someone had a had a limp you wouldn't mm. say oh well they're just slow and lazy that they're not yeah. getting there you know a limp with no crutches mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> exactly exactly that yeah and that's the difference right because it's yeah invisible disabilities the only person that's left to blame is the person and it, I think it makes it really hard mentally so having therapy to to talk through it and to work on self-esteem I think is super important ADHD coaches can be really helpful as well to like really work on the practical kind of elements of managing ADHD and kind of achieving goals and things like that and then yeah definitely community tapping into community where possible and there's loads of little ADHD hacks as well just little small techniques which ADHD coaches teach as well but there's also lots on YouTube so like yeah, I was things like body that. doubling yeah YouTube is great and TikTok as well actually so what's that go on that that sounds brilliant but I could do the body double um <laughs> I get twice as much work done right um honestly well, um although I am primarily lazy so <laughs> yeah what's that give me some of the things so what's mm. what's body doubling so body doubling is when you either in person or over a video call work alongside somebody as a means to stay motivated and engaged with your task so literally you can sit on zoom like you know we're doing now and you'll have a task I'll have a task yeah and for some reason it just keeps you engaged because you're like you know I want to get distracted you're like oh nope actually I'm doing something right now um sometimes what helps is setting a timer so you're like okay we're going to do it for this amount of time so even when you feel yourself getting distracted you're like no I've only got five minutes left I've only got 10 minutes left and the, the more distractible you are, the lower you set your timers so you can really just concentrate on that time and then take a break, come back to it. Hey, Amy, you never guess what. What? What's that, Will? We've got an ad break. No. Yeah, we do. We will be back shortly. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And what other kind of things can people see as those sort of little hacks, which I think are so valuable for so many different types of syndromes or you know mm-hmm. ways that people sort of find themselves mm-hmm. uh, limited maybe in their lives yeah yeah there's there's the body doubling there's habit stacking which is a way of kind of bringing in new parts of your life that would make your life easier so for example if I want to start meditating because I've heard that that's really good and actually meditation is really good for ADHD even though it feels really uncomfortable um, and yeah. it feels counter intuitive because like you want to move but you're sitting still it's actually really good so yeah if I say I want to start meditating more in my day I would think okay what habit do I already have that I do every day if I say okay I brush my teeth every day then habit stacking would be okay as soon as you finish brushing your teeth you go straight to meditation so that way it doesn't become this whole new thing to incorporate into your day it's just stacking the habits on top and that would make sense actually Mm. yeah because it's like a sort of 
almost an association and sort of building almost like a paper chain yeah exactly yeah so it makes it more manageable there was someone that I've worked with for years and we were talking and this person and I'll, I'll deliberately leave the gender neutral got a diagnosis of ADHD mm. last year mm-hmm. and this person was saying to me well I always wanted to study mm-hmm. but you know I just felt like everyone would say well you know you just you just can't concentrate enough to study to do that mm. or they struggle with bills so yeah. you know opening post is a big thing which by mm. the way for me it's a really big thing as well it's a big deal it's a lot what's in there we don't know <laughs> I know it's awful I know I know I know it just sits there for weeks why is it hiding it should be transparent I think I completely <laughs> agree with you and preferably written in very large letters exactly um, and telling me very simply what to do bullet points this is it this is what you need to do Thanks that's the deadline right. none of that like where do I find the website where do I find the number read between the lines go away yeah exactly <laughs> but this person was saying it's really changed their their lives mm. I mean and this is a late they you know they're in their late 40s it's a very late diagnosis and I feel like a lot of people are coming to quite mm-hmm. later diagnosis in life have yeah. you come across that yeah for sure like I thought I was late when I got diagnosed at 23 but you have people in the group that are diagnosed in their 50s and it's still transformative for them because it still puts into context a lot of their living experience because then you're like this makes so much sense why I couldn't concentrate or why you know I found further education difficult or you know paying bills or whatever it is it just vindicates so many difficulties and then also gives you the space to now get the support you need to do the things that you want to do so it stops feeling like you're unable it's more like actually I just didn't have the accommodations so yeah so there's people that are going back to to studies now that they know because they know they can get disability support allowance and accommodations within education or even in the workplace you know there's an access to work scheme that allows you to get reasonable adjustments within the workplace so feeling like okay I can I can hold down a job because once I get the accommodations I need I can get that support and you know these things are possible yeah so I think it can be really life-changing and I feel like there's been I mean I've certainly learned a lot more about ADHD in the last just two years Mm. where I thought for me initially I would hear ADHD to do with children in school mm-hmm. which would make sense because I guess it can start presenting then and then perhaps a lot of discussion on whether whether medication was used and maybe I saw a few documentaries on that but I was very limited in my knowledge of ADHD mm-hmm. now when I hear some of the ways that it can affect one's life for example socializing mm-hmm. or relationships yeah it's a big one things people that might just think well that's just me and I can't mm-hmm. do it and everyone else can do it yeah I think it's wonderful now that it's been people now have access to the notion that perhaps they might have ADHD and that their life can become more manageable and that that shame goes away I guess exactly that shame is huge it's really really big and it because it's internalized it blocks like there's no oh I could try again or I might if I do it this way because if you think it's you why would you think to try again Mm. but once it's externalized you're like okay I just need to manage the thing and if the thing is ADHD or whatever it is, it could be any any diagnosis, then it feels like the barriers moved out of the way, like the life that you want for yourself is actually now possible. And yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing to give people another chance at like living their life, their life to the truest potential that they want, like how they define it. 
I think that's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Well, and you're helping people, and I think that's beautiful. How have you noticed your life changed since your diagnosis at, I think you said, 22, 23? Yeah, definitely a lot nicer to myself. Just a little bit after I got diagnosed, I got, like, my first full-time job. And, yeah, before that, I was, yeah, I found it really difficult to stay in work. I didn't actually apply for any full-time roles. I was always kind of doing freelance work or doing zero-hour contracts. Because, yeah, I just always felt like at any moment I might find it too hard to get out of bed and go I don't want to commit so yeah after I got the diagnosis I got my first full-time job which I managed to keep and then obviously ADHD babes came from it and I think just in terms of like how I lived my life it was a lot more intentional now that I know that okay my mood can be really sensitive then I like make space for all right this might be super triggering so maybe I shouldn't do anything tomorrow like I should plan out you know that if Friday is going to be triggering don't do anything on Saturday so I don't feel like oh you know you're not you're not reliable you're not consistent so actually I probably won't be able to do this because this is going to impact me um or like giving myself extra leeway between stuff because I'll probably miss something or I'll probably take the wrong turn and end up a little bit late uh so kind of giving myself like late gaps so that I don't end up too late uh or even just being more understanding every time I get a parking ticket I'm just like well part of the ADHD tax I just need to you know it's just charge it to the game kind of thing yeah so it's definitely made me a lot more compassionate to myself and be more intentional about accommodating my differences so even though you know I'm still paying a ticket a month it's better than before when it was four tickets a month and I can at least kind of laugh it off a bit more now it's part of a holistic idea of who I am so Vivian how was it because often ADHD can be picked up in schools now you look back on your school time can Mm. you see certain characteristics symptoms behaviors that perhaps were missed like how were your school years uh school was interesting I think when I look back in primary school I found school like I enjoyed it but I did find it boring to the extent where they were going to put me up a year because I was finishing work and then kind of getting bored and getting distracted but then they just kind of put that down to you know she could go up a year or she could not make a choice type of thing uh, then when I got to secondary school, I think it became a little bit more apparent where, you know, stuff like struggling to concentrate in class, especially if I wasn't interested in the subject. I think that was the big distinction, uh, which made like, kind of my reports quite conflicting because in some classes, you know, excellent student, ways applying herself, blah, blah, blah. And then you'd get to science and, you know, there's lots of red, <laughs> red reports. Yeah. So there was a difficulty of like concentrating on things I didn't enjoy which now when I understand ADHD it's like because it's motivated by interest it's like if there's no dopamine kick from what I'm doing then it's hard to to maintain it which is why mundane tasks feels like torture but something you're interested in you can do for hours so you know I can play the sims for hours straight because I'm interested in it Um, or I can listen to music for hours on end because that's that's what I like but you know ask me to submit some receipts and I'll I'll just rather not get the money back (laughs) so yeah so I think there was that. Then it was kind of just struggling to even sit in class because I'd always kind of, you know, can I go to the toilet? Oh, I need to go to the toilet again. And I, that was part of the, like, not being able to sit still and feeling restless. There's times when I would kind of sneak out of class and just literally watch the clouds go past. And that felt more entertaining than being in class. And now I'm like, oh, you know, that's the whole head in the clouds type presentation of ADHD kind of being not here, just your head is somewhere else. And then the emotional regulation side, for sure, like, I used to get into a lot of arguments and fights in school. So I remember they did actually give me, I don't know if she was a therapist or like a, I don't know what she was, but 
she used to take me out of class once a week to kind of talk about my feelings and things like that but now looking back I'm like oh obviously that was like emotional regulation like I found it hard to regulate my emotions so when I got angry that's what it would look like so yeah I think those definitely got missed and then I think the biggest jump was when I got to college and then learning then becomes a lot more independent where you have to remember where your your classes are and your timetables and your revision and I just did terribly like the jump from my GCSEs to A-level was abysmal and a lot of people I speak to who also got diagnosed they, they had the same difficulty that when it becomes independent learning without the structure around you it just becomes really unmanageable but again I'm like that was the ADHD like I was struggling to organize my time and to prioritize tasks and to study and remember things so yeah I think school definitely missed a lot of stuff and because um, ADHD in women is often inattentive so it looks it's not as over it's a bit more you know she's just not concentrating I think that adds to the reason why I probably would have been missed because it's like oh she's just not paying attention but actually that's inattentive type and people must get labeled Mm. it must cause we were talking about something that's unseen Mm. you know it must cause sort of parents or partners of people or you know friends or teachers to go well you know just stop doing that and do Mm. be like that instead and then yeah be better and then Mm. I would imagine for the person who's probably doesn't even understand it themselves but they Mm. don't yeah yeah and that's why I really debunk the word lazy because like, Mm. like the definition of lazy is like an unwillingness to complete a task but I want to do it (laughs) like I would love to do this task but I don't have the capacity to do it like the the gap to the action is what's missing so I remember like I had to drop my I guess level maths because I literally just couldn't revise like I couldn't get into the headspace to sit down and work through it so I just had to to drop it completely and I remember my teacher was so strict like he thought I just couldn't be bothered and I was being lazy but I was I genuinely like maths like I think it's such a beautiful subject but I just couldn't I couldn't apply myself yeah yeah how interesting it has been for me to hear you during this conversation and what I'm really taking away is that once we can get a sort of validation and understanding of Mm. why we do certain things in our certain ways and have that what comes with that a self-acceptance then the way we manage Mm -hmm. our lives becomes so much more easy yeah it's drastically different yeah it's still a struggle but sort of that understanding and that validation it's amazing what a difference I guess can come yeah. from that yeah and obviously with support the right support makes a huge difference because we've had people it might have been a dm or something on twitter and they were saying that because uh, sometimes people will email and say you know how do I get a diagnosis and stuff so I'll send information on how to get a diagnosis and the process and kind of things that you can say to your GP like ways to think about your symptoms and sometimes people come back after they've got it and they're like oh you know I've got it now and I just remember one story where uh, they came back and they was like oh you know thank you so much for the help and this might seem small but you know I've got my my driver's license and I really struggled to do that you know I failed a few times and I thought I could never do it but now I'm on the meds and like I'm feeling a lot better about myself I was able to pass so now I feel able to kind of start looking at moving out and I was like that's not a small deal like that's huge that's amazing that's the life that you want for yourself and now you're able to do it so that's such a beautiful thing and yeah that story always just just sticks to me because it's people getting to live their life on their terms with the right support yeah I think that's a beautiful story and actually maybe it's a good way to end but could you say to anyone that's maybe listening and thinking right how do I go about getting an ADHD diagnosis or test 
how can they do that? So if you are an adult, you can go through your GP. You can either go through your local ADHD clinic and ask them to refer you to that clinic, or you can ask for the right to choose option where the GP will pay for it, but it will, you'll go to a private clinic. So clinics like Psychiatry UK or ADHD 360, I think there's about three or four in total that do it in England. So you can go through that route. And sometimes it's faster because the waiting lists for the NHS right now are quite long because obviously the influx of awareness and people coming forward to get tested so either of those routes work if you do the psychiatry uk or adhd 360 route you do it there and then when you finish your process you get sent back to your gp but if you say stay with the gp and the nhs route then you're just always there you can kind of do that or go private the only difficulty with going private if, if you do get diagnosed your gp has to accept you being sent back from the private practice some gps don't want to do that so that means you'd have to kind of pay for medication privately moving forward. Um, so, yeah, something to think about. But if you're in education, you can also go through the educational psychologist assessment route where you can kind of get a full needs assessment and they can test for things like dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADHD, dyscalculia. So that's great because then you can get accommodations within your education system, but you're not able to get medication with that diagnosis. So that's the only kind of flip side. Yeah. So those are those are some of the main options. Tell me about your podcast. So our podcast was born out of community sparking idea where one of our babes, Shauna, was like, oh, you guys should do a podcast. And I was like, that's a great idea. Would you like to lead on it? And she said, yes. So from there, you know, she's amazing, super, super organised babe. She got together loads of different ideas, loads of different themes. And then our, we really wanted it to be community led. So everybody who hosts the podcast is someone from the community. We bring on lots of guests who are from the community, but also from outside as well. And then we have people in the community who can write scripts or if they have an idea of someone they want to bring on, then they're able to do it. So yeah, it's very much kind of community led and community focused. And some episodes are really serious, you know, where we've spoken about kind of trauma and, and ADHD, or we've spoken about the difficulties of living in the UK while being black and disabled and some episodes are really fun and free where you know one of the babes did a whole episode about gaming so it's yeah it's very much just whatever it means to us to be black um, and to live with ADHD and yeah we've got a really lovely babe who uh, you know they speak a lot about their chronic illness um, because at the moment they're kind of bound to the house and they were such an amazing addition to the team and they always speak about how connected it's made them feel that even though they're you know in the house at the moment they're able to record from home so they still feel part of the community and it's made them feel that actually I can still contribute even if I'm in the house like I'm still part of something so yeah it's, it's been a really amazing addition to to what the community is love it and if people want to find you how can they find you I mean I don't mean like in a creepy way <laughs> I mean like on social media, on social media. <laughs> um <laughs> My favourite cafe is Beam, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, exactly, do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you can find my personal account is VVN Sings, and that's on all socials, and then ADHD Babes socials is, yeah, just ADHD Babes on all socials again. So, yeah, you can find us on, on everything, including Eventbrite. We've got a website now, so you can check out our website, ADHDbabes.com. Yeah, so, yeah, ready to chat. It's been so nice talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Well, as ever, and because I have attachment problems, I'm slightly in love with her. What a great interview. I think ADHD is something we might come back to because I think it's really interesting. And even as I was listening, I was going, ah, oh, tick, tick, that's interesting. Tick these parking tickets. And keys and wallets and mobile phones. I lose them all. I had a little list going on in my head. Now, let's get into your letters. It's always lovely to hear from all of you. And um, 
you know, do let us know how things resonate with you. Maybe you experience a topic that we've discussed or maybe you've got a friend or a family member or a co-worker, colleague, who knows, neighbour, who's going through something that we've discussed in an episode, but do let us know how it resonates with you. Or maybe you never knew about the topic and you think, oh gosh, maybe my parent was like that and I never thought that. Whatever, but um, you know, do let us know. Here are your messages. Hey Will, I loved the last episode on psychedelics and mental health. Yeah, I've had quite a few personal messages about that, actually. It was super interesting. Have you considered doing an episode on exercise and mental health? <laughs> Have we ever? Yes, it's on the list. It's something I struggle with, and I'm sure others do too. Yeah, me too. I just stare at my peloton. We have a staring competition. Funny enough, innate objects always win. So stubborn, my, my peloton. Um, it would be great to hear your thoughts on how to get motivated to move more even when we're feeling low take care um, thank you for that and another message uh, happy Easter well thank you happy Easter to you love the episode on confidence all the insights and tips on overcoming self-doubt were super helpful good that's why we're here could you do an episode on boundaries next well we have done an episode on boundaries so scroll back or however you do it on your however you get the podcast and listen to Michelle Elman she wrote a book the joys of being selfish and it's a very very good book by the way she really knows her shit and i've recommended it to a lot of people the person goes on to say it's always tough for me to know how to set healthy boundaries without feeling guilty or rude well there now i would say lean into that that's interesting why do you feel guilty and rude and that is part of the test thing about boundaries is the more we do them the easier they get and quite often my little tip is to write them down as you say them and also ask to not be interrupted because often people go oh no, no I know that I know that and you haven't actually set your boundary the other thing is boundaries can be fluid but read the book really really good we don't take a percentage it's just very good reading hey Will hey just wanted to drop you a quick message to let you know how much I'm loving your podcast seriously it's become a regular part of my routine and I always feel better after listening to an episode this makes me happy last week's episode on psychedelics was especially helpful for me I struggled with trauma myself and never thought about psychedelics as a way to help me process it so thanks for that I was thinking for your next episode there's all these suggestions Amy you don't have to do any work uh, I was thinking for your next episode it'd be awesome if you could cover the topic of mindfulness yes there's a lot about it and this person says I've heard a lot about it but not quite sure how to practice it effectively I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to make it a part of my daily routine anyway just want to say keep up the great work thank you very much well mindfulness I always think is we're always doing it the whole time anyway actually um, we're all observing ourselves the whole time maybe with some negative chatter attached but we are all observing ourselves so um, you know we are kind of doing it anyway it's just I guess being mindful of the fact we're being mindful oh gosh it's a vortex thank you so much for getting in touch and please keep on letting us know here at the Wellbeing Lab how things resonate with you because it's really nice to hear and maybe you've got questions you know maybe something resonates with you and you want you want to know more and or something came up and you think oh I wasn't quite sure about that can we clarify that and this is why we're here we can do that for you email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com twitter at the wellbeing lab and instagram and facebook at the wellbeing lab podcast uh, next week it's gut health with tim Spector. this is a good one this is a really good one actually and kind of a bit of a game changer i would say i believe that's the quarter to one flight coming in from marrakesh i think I think they're in a holding pattern, but I'm going to check because I'm now on an app and I'm in the forums so I can keep up to date with exactly what's going on on the flight path to the various terminals in Heathrow. Till next week. Love you. Bye. 
Did you know the Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the Acast Creator Network? It's true. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.